coming up on Sleep, Eat, Perform, Repeat. And hopefully that's something that that everybody can do. Maybe when you're setting a New Year's resolution or whatever, it's, it's not trying to bite it all off in the one go. It's about breaking the year down into the months and the months into the weeks and the weeks into the days. And just then, when you have that plan, what is it I need to do for today? And trying to be present and give your best to that and trusting that when you put it all together, you'll be able to achieve what you want to. Delighted you could join us today for an episode you do not want to miss. We sit down with Irish Hockey Team Manager, Lisa Jacob. If you haven't already, please rate, review, like, subscribe and follow the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. Thanks again for subscribing, for listening and for supporting the show. It truly means a lot to us. We really do appreciate it more than you know. Welcome to Sleep, Eat, Perform, Repeat with your hosts, David Clancy and Kieran Dunn. This is a podcast about high performance. What we are striving to achieve is to figure out what makes high performing individuals tick, why they do what they do and why they are successful. Enjoy a journey of stories, lessons and learnings. Today we spoke with Lisa Jacob, team manager at Hockey Ireland and co-owner of Hidden Strength. Lisa is a former international and director on the board of Hockey Ireland and now managing the team. From 2006 to 2014, she amassed 139 caps for the Irish women's hockey team. After nearly a decade at the top in hockey, she switched sports, playing for the Irish women's rugby seven squad for 18 months. Lisa, a huge advocate for women's sport in Ireland, has a degree in psychology and a master's diploma in executive coaching from the Irish Management Institute. Today we speak about the lessons she can share with the elite hockey players she works with, how they can be their best self. Mindset comes through massively as Lisa discusses how to reframe circumstances that may at first seem negative, as well as the story behind Hidden Strength her company. We talk about completing the ultramarathon, the race around Ireland, one of the world's toughest endurance events, and why Lisa and her partner Nikki raised money for supporting the Irish mental health charity Suicide or Survive. Lisa shares the philosophy around Raise Her Game, a 20 by 20 inspired female sports coach mentoring program. Lisa is passionate about human potential and is a giver. Thanks for joining us. Lisa Jacob, thanks very much for coming on the show today. You are following another Wexford last we had recently. We just had Sophie Becker here on, didn't we? We did. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, so she's only up the road from me. The first question, really, we were talking about strawberries and kind of what was Wexford really famous for. So we're going to have to start with that with yourself as well, Lisa. Yeah, probably strawberries, top of the pile, and potatoes probably next from there. (laughs) So Lisa, tell us a little bit as to... What's going on in your life? I mean, we were looking up your bio there and there's so much we're really excited and, and interested to talk about, but what what's currently on the horizon? I suppose 2021 was a bit of a mad year. So in my role as team manager with the women's hockey team, they ended up having three tournaments just the way COVID came, like kind of major tournaments. So Europeans, the Olympics, and then had a World Cup qualifier off the back of that. So like a, a real intense time and probably kind of the back end of 2021 was really just trying to recover energy after just you know pouring most of it out there and more so I suppose like starting 2022 was actually for me a little bit different than normal like normally I am one of those people who kind of really enjoys the Christmas break and looking ahead to what are your intentions and hopes for the following year but I really found myself just kind of trying to re-energize and sort of switch off from from everything in the world a little bit 
So I suppose stepping into a new year with the women's team in terms of work, there's a World Cup in the summer um, in July and there's a European qualifier and there's Nations Cup. So it's the hockey calendar has actually become really busy. Like you can bank on three major tournaments every year, which is just like it's it's energetically very demanding. Um, and when you get a break, you really need to take it. And then I'm also coaching UCD ladies hockey team. So they play kind of in the top division, like National League in hockey. So we're midway through the season now and there's probably seven teams who could who could win the league or get into that finals weekend. So uh, we'll be one of those teams and kind of looking forward to making a bit of a charge now, hopefully. Yeah, so that's kind of the main thing. On a personal level, I'm getting married in about six weeks, so there's lots of planning going on there and very exciting. Yeah, so that's, that's the horizon really for me. We'll have to get to the wedding in a minute because Kiran wants to talk to that. But, <laughs> but Lisa, there's a, there's a fellow based over in Wales called David Hyatt and he of the Do Lectures and he always talks about energy and how it's really important that you understand your mojo and kind of your, your good energy and, and the energy that isn't so good and kind of how you can keep your, your mojo going for your work and, and as a person. So with, with all that going on, with all those major tournaments and not just with Ireland, there's a lot being asked of you. So how do you keep up your energy every day what are the what are the fuel sources as it were to keep your mojo going so that you can keep performing with all those teams yeah do you know i i'm a real believer that energy is essential to performance and well-being and all those things and sometimes it's only when you're completely empty that you really give it the focus that you need for me it's about understanding i'm in a role probably where i have between players and support staff and you know within the performance system and stuff i probably have 70 to 80 people who are directly needing to contact me quite often and the thing that i understand about my energy is that i'm kind of more naturally introverted even though i can communicate with the team and all that kind of stuff very well and even from a coaching point of view, you know, you're, you need to not be just that kind of hermit in the corner, really. But for me, it's about understanding that I need time out on my own to recharge. And it's kind of about building that into certainly the weekend, but even pockets in the week. And so for me, it's kind of as simple as trying to get out with the dogs and walk every day. And if I can get to the woods for that hour, you know, at lunchtime or early morning or whatever, that's kind of like a, a really simple but sort of sustainable way of kind of fueling my energy. Do you know, it's, uh, and then I know it sounds really simple, but like in terms of understanding sort of the, the pillars of what keeps me well and keeps my energy, actually sleep is one of the biggest things for me. And sometimes I think we look to the real complexities of performance and we forget actually what are the foundations that if I'm getting it wrong or getting it right, it has such a big impact. Um, so for me, it's actually about being disciplined to get in bed early. Like sometimes when you're out coaching late or you're busy with communicating and emails and WhatsApps and all that stuff, it can take a while to wind down. And sometimes I find myself like 12, half 12, one o'clock where you just want to sit in front of some kind of Netflix thing to just have some off time. But actually in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't really work. Like you're better off trying to get 20 minutes of winding down kind of well um, with whatever shower, music, and just getting into bed and trying to get that extra time to sleep. So for me, I've probably just tried to to bring it back to basics in terms of getting the main bits right for my energy, getting time on my own, getting good sleep. And a big one for me going into 2022 is actually being boundaried with my time and my energy. 
I'm one of those kind of give everything I have people, but it doesn't serve me very well over longer periods of time. So in tournaments and all that kind of stuff, you know, I can be really effective because I can, I can, I can be on fumes and still give. But I also then will have that tendency in life to sort of skirt a bit too close to burnout. So being boundaried with my energy and, and not giving everything to everyone is also uh, something that I'm, I'm really going to be looking to improve this year. <laughs> <laughs> you have a good self-awareness of what drives you, what gives you energy. Where did you learn that? Was, was there introspection you've done or what was the keys to find out what makes Lisa Jacob most effective? Yeah, I think it was probably getting it wrong, to be honest. <laughs> So I think like probably as a a younger hockey player, when I was in the national team myself, when you're in that kind of younger period and even young training age, like you're sort of two, three, four, even five years into a setup, maybe that kind of accumulation of giving 100%, you know, you can kind of reboot yourself pretty easily. But it's probably mid to late career where I, I really realized, I suppose you kind of are kind of managing like 20 to 30 hours of training a week plus you've moved from college into like more of a work environment and maybe in terms of like personal relationships like there's maybe a lot more going on that you have to manage and yeah like I, I probably just realized from getting to points that when I look back on on when I finished hockey and stepped away from it that actually it took me maybe two or three years to realize I was actually just burnt out rather than I didn't want to play anymore, if that makes sense. Um, so I think then when you get to that point, really then it's kind of looking quite seriously at, okay, how did I end up here? And oh, it's just not a great place to be. Like, you know, normally I'm kind of really enthusiastic and intentional and deliberate and just hopefully like a good person to be around. Um, but when you find yourself sort of like losing your energy in terms of being burnt out and things aren't as exciting and you don't really want to even see your friends as much and the things that you love you don't love as much it's not a great space to be in um so it's probably only from kind of getting it wrong a little bit that I've been much more conscious of first of all understanding what it is that fuels me and then just kind of making sure that you're not letting that battery hit low battery or empty too many times (laughs) and do you know so yeah, it's probably really that getting it wrong and learning from it. And and then 70 people, 70, 80 people below, you know, that you're looking after, you're trying to get the best out of. Can you or do you have a process for identifying maybe someone who's facing that burnout or not having the battery charged? That's within your maybe your remit to help them. Yeah. And I think it's a really difficult one in high performance because best effort and max effort is required like a lot you know it can be day in day out you know you can have down periods for a couple of days every month or whatever but you really are existing in an environment where just being part of it there's an expectation on you that you're going to deliver everything you have and so I suppose it's kind of that experience of understanding that you know over seven eight ten years would mean that with the younger athletes I'm much more conscious of you know, they don't really want to take the breaks when they get them in the season, the two or three weeks. And it's just about really saying to them, I know you don't feel like you need it, but just take it, book something and go away. Or um, And then I suppose with the kind of older athletes where you know that there's that accumulation that's happened over over a long number of years. And also they tend to be the people who are captains in their clubs and they're 
maybe the higher profile players who are wanted by people a little bit more to do all the talks and do whatever is about just trying to have those conversations with them to you know and then they're all really nice and probably really bad at saying no to things um and it's just about making sure that they they understand what they really need to do for themselves first and foremost and then everything else that they need to do what is what are the priorities and then what's the thing that you need to say no to and just trying to i suppose um maybe coach them a little bit around that um but i suppose you can't do the hard work for them but just i suppose trying to give them some examples around your own experience where um they may not realize it now but it would kind of help them to sustainably give the best of themselves in in lots of different ways in lots of different areas and, and Lisa just to build on that drive is something obviously that that really helps people excel and 139 caps for the Irish hockey team transitioning into the the oval oval ball game with the rugby team and then obviously even with that contract with the Netherlands um, club there with hockey you achieved so much as a player so how can you help with those players that are on the cusp maybe of of really becoming a really special player because you've been there and done it at such a high level for such a long time Mm. yeah I suppose probably for me personally I always had a curiosity around my own potential that was probably where my drive came from is that I wanted to understand maybe how good I could be or how far I could go or whatever. And so with the younger players, it's, I suppose, first and foremost, helping them to understand their why. So that, I suppose, a lot of days can be tough days and hard days and the days where you you don't have drive just readily available to tap into. It's about maybe digging a bit deeper into your own purpose and reason why you're you're trying to be part of a national team or or whatever it is that your ambition is um so that's probably where I start that they they understand the anchor and everything can come from that and I suppose there are kind of there are lots of things maybe technically and tactically and all those sort of things that hopefully you can support players to become the best that they can be by you know I suppose there's so much that you can look at when you look at a player with potential but from a coaching point of view it's really trying to like strip everything away no more than I was talking about energy there and go what are the one or two things that will make the biggest difference on top of that I really find actually people in Ireland particularly and also I suppose when you look at the female population they really struggle to understand their own strengths sort of proudly bring them to the world like oftentimes like I'll give you an example of a player who came off the pitch last night and young player in the national team and she had only picked up a stick for the first time in three and a half weeks after a break that they'd been on and, you know, came off a practice match. That's the first one back after Christmas and had eliminated maybe four or five players and then hit the target, but didn't score the goal, you know, comes off like I should have scored that. And it's actually about reframing the perspective and and kind of saying you need to recognize all the good that you've done in the build up and, Yes, of course, we can add this on. And if we're still talking about it in six weeks from now, you can be in ways that you didn't score. But just that people really understand their strengths as well and can see that in practice and can can see their own progress as well. And all of those things, I think, actually can really help from a drive perspective to push you to the capacity of your potential or to the next level or whatever. Um, hopefully that makes sense. 
yeah and then focusing on your own potential for so long and trying to see how far you could push yourself with hidden strength now with the company that you've created with trish you're probably trying to do that you mentioned you're trying to that anyone can apply the life skills and strategies from high performers tell us the why behind hidden strength and what you're trying to achieve with that new endeavor probably sort of came about in some way accidentally um i had a friend who was working in a company and they were looking for some kind of female in high performance sport to come in and speak and he like I hadn't done any of it before and he just said listen would you have any interest and I said oh sure why not you know but I suppose what was really good about that is it made me actually try and pull out the kind of tools and strategies maybe I've used over time that might be applicable in different environments and um, I suppose when I did that I kind of realized none of this is rocket science because you just have developed these ways of living and being and maybe achieving over over time but actually I suppose maybe when you go into a business environment or you're you're chatting to people who are not used to being in high performance space actually you realize that not everybody knows this stuff that you've learned do you know um so I suppose it's it's partly about sharing that and allowing other people to step into their potential by taking really simple tools and strategies that you don't have to be elite anything to apply like I'm a great believer that small things every day, that kind of idea of like compound action, like that's what adds up to being able to do incredible things. It's not having incredible talent. It's not, you know, I suppose when you look at the highlight reels of different sports and it makes people out to be superhuman, like you're not born like that. Do you know, it's kind of what you do day in and day out that allows you to become that. Um, and I suppose that's really what I would like for other people if that's what they want for themselves. That's so powerful, like stepping into potential, obviously, with your with your experience as a player, manager, and then obviously the psych from psychology from your city probably gives you an awful lot. A huge, a huge element of what jumped out to us from Hidden Strength, I think, and it does build on that people's potential pieces, overcoming fear and overcoming, you know, self-doubt or even self-sabotage, as Pat Dively recently said to us. Yeah. That's probably it. It's probably a huge part of it. Even that that little bit you said about the player going past all, all those not quite scoring, but just even reframing the perspective. So overcoming fear, what does that mean to you and what can we learn about that? Yeah, it's I don't I can't speak to anyone else's experience really, but when I look back on, you know, my whole career as a player, whether it was hockey or rugby, um, you know, really you're every day you're facing doubt around your own contribution and your own performance and you know will you be selected and if you are then will you be able to handle the level when you go out on the pitch in international games maybe people watching that or they they watch on tv as the team sings the anthem it kind of looks amazing but actually what's going on behind you know and i go as far as the johnny sexton's and and everyone you see on tv is is there is that fear of what if I can't or I don't or um for me the biggest thing is what are the thoughts that you choose for yourself you choose to listen to and you the things that you say to yourself so I suppose I know this sounds like a really weird thing to say but it's like that there's a song on the radio that you just don't like just like trying to change the channel like it's much harder in your mind when you have those doubtful thoughts or 
things that you're afraid of and I suppose unhelpful thoughts that's the best way I like to think of them rather than positive or negative thoughts that you're having that are not helpful and I think probably over time you learn to you have to be the one that inputs helpful thoughts into your own brain and I think it's it's a little bit like it's it's like skiing if you're used to you know sliding down this track in that same groove of unhelpful thoughts it's deeper and deeper and if you're anywhere near those kind of ski tracks you just fall into them and go down that same way of you know I'm not good enough or I can't or whatever the hard thing but I think it's so powerful is just trying to create a new track of of helpful thoughts and really for me that comes from like intentionally like even writing out like um, a pre-match script of a couple of things that I'm going to say to myself over and over and over. So many people will have their headphones on and they'll be playing, you know, the couple of songs that they really like to get them going. And it's the same thing about the thoughts that you you have beforehand. Like if you're liable to have unhelpful thoughts, which I think most people do, not just around sport, but, you know, a big work presentation or exams or whatever it is, it's literally about writing out the three things that I need to tell myself over and over and over and over again and creating that groove that when you're going into that environment where you're really tested around your fear or your doubt, that you can call upon those things and try and formulate your your own helpful thoughts. I know it sounds a bit, a bit kind of random, but I think that's where it's the difference between people who can back themselves and not maybe it's it's a lot of the time in your thinking and the thoughts that you're going to say, yeah, this is helping me and I need to hang on to it so I can deliver the best of myself. Not easy. And like any skill, it takes like real practice. But I suppose it's that idea that like nobody else can do it for you. You know, you have to be the one that tries to control it and manage it yourself, if that makes sense. It's actually built upon our previous guest that we had recently was Joe Barr, um, an endurance cyclist. You both have something in common. You both completed the race across Ireland. Madness. Which me and David are definitely not entering. How much self-talk went into that? I don't know, a lot. So so he was talking about having a vulnerability and you find that inner truth in them moments when you're on the bike for 20 hours, it's gone dark, you're too tired, your legs are sore, you don't, you want to get off. What were your practices for when you really faced into them hard moments was it repeating them phrases or did you have anything else that you used to do to really keep yourself there to use that resilience piece? Yeah. Oh, listen, Joe was a whole other level of um, <laughs> endurance cycling. <laughs> but actually, the race around Ireland was a really interesting one for me. So it's sort of like an ultra endurance cycling event, like over 2000 kilometers and you have to do it in five days. And I suppose I had spent kind of 10 plus years in elite team sport and then did this race around Ireland with my partner and just went into this world of endurance that, you know, although I would have said I had built mental toughness and I was able to suffer training quite well, you know, all of those things armed me. It was just a completely different life experience than anything that had gone before. It's kind of only in in doing the training for something like that, that allows you to develop the capacity to endure I suppose there's that bit of just doing the miles on the bike and there are so many moments when you want to stop like so many moments that like if I think back on that year of when we were preparing for it the resilience really comes from doing the miles and when those moments of 
I want to stop, come up. You're not saying you have another 60 kilometers to do today and you're talking about that. You're just literally coaxing yourself into, okay, just get to the next town. And when the next town is is 9k away and that's too far, then you're saying, okay, just get to the next signpost just get to the top of that hill just get to around that bend and you're kind of always trying to negotiate with yourself to just do a little bit more and gradually you build your capacity to be able to actually do more but you're still always hitting the I want to stop (laughs) and it's you actually end up building the muscle of being able to say just keep going a little bit more and then going back to that idea of kind of those little things every day actually build up to understand the power of actually just being able to keep yourself going a little bit more. And if you can do that, you know, once a day or five days out of seven or a couple of days, like you're building that resilience muscle for you for for that particular thing. So it's probably not that that's like a magic tool, but it's about understanding that if you can add all those bits up together, you really will become resilient. Um, I suppose the other thing really is it's that perspective that you choose to take. You know, I've I've this far to go or I've already come this far. And at times, don't get me wrong, sometimes when things get really tough, you actually do need to get off the bike and you do need to take a break and have a coffee and have a scone and get your shit together and then start again, <laughs> do you know? So um, I suppose there's that bit about being really honest with yourself. It's about kind of leaning into that discomfort and and pushing as much as you can but also knowing when you just need a like a little break and that's the thing that will allow you to carry on in a big way and I think that's a balance that we're we're all trying to find in life as well do you know it's like go 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 you can do more 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 and then sometimes also realizing you know I need to dip out here for two days I need to be off grid for the weekend I need to not meet my friends I need I need to sort myself do you know so, yeah, I, I don't know if that makes any sense, but <laughs> well, there's so much to that. And it makes me think that, um, well, I want a fruit scone anyway in the next couple of minutes. But um, no, Lisa, no, there's there's an awful lot of wisdom behind that. But just when you're doing something like that, a crazy endurance event that very few could achieve. Mindset obviously has to be in a certain place to do that. But you're doing it for something as well. And something comes from it. You decided to shed a little bit of light on on mental health and the challenges around that and suicide survive raised a lot of money for that as well why was that the area you decided to to help support and bring some awareness around it was kind of a a joint decision between myself and my partner nikki um i suppose i've between kind of studying psychology and and being in that space really always had that kind of intrinsic appreciation for the power of the mind and from like a, a well-being point of view, you're always trying to sort of manage yourself. And I suppose luckily enough, I, I never feel like I've significantly struggled with mental health. I've I've probably been able to operate in that space where, you know, it's all about mental toughness and all that kind of stuff, which for me is a totally different piece. But I suppose when we were looking at, you know, wanting to raise money and and picking a charity, probably what really finally made the decision for us was that one of Nikki's um colleagues and friends at work uh really tragically um took his own life just maybe probably only six weeks before we kind of got going with the training and we were just kind of looking at where we'd raise money um 
So it was really kind of a natural fit for both of us at that point in time. And I think, you know, if we were ever to do anything again, that would always be the space that we would we would look at kind of um, mental health. So I'm I'm really glad we did. And, and Suicide or Survivor, an amazing kind of small organization with for us, we chose them because of the programs that they deliver. We knew where the money would go and and sort of the real life application of of what that funding would mean for people. So really good yeah it would have helped so many people in terms of other ventures that you looked at and ways of supporting people that maybe need that little leg up or need a bit more highlighting raise her game and we were advocates for 20 by 20 we had it sponsor a few episodes tried to bring light to it we think it was a great campaign trying to get women more in the focal point of irish sport irish women's hockey are, are really becoming the forefront of, of that how important is it that we continue on this there's more campaigns like 20 by 20 and how much has that helped get women to the fore of Irish sport? Yeah, do you know what? I think that the 20 by 20 campaign was really, really powerful and really impactful. And I know they were trying to put a lot of figures behind it and measure it. But I think a combination of that, like a couple of years of real advocacy and like kind of trying to bring an awareness to women in sport has kind of also aligned with the last year for women in sport in Ireland and the success that they've had on, you know, on so many levels in, in world sport, it's sort of combined to really generate something impactful, I think, in, in Ireland. I know there's sort of a, a global movement as well. Um, but yeah, I suppose for me, it was just about trying to find a practical way of making an impact and, and joining that um, move to try and just like... I suppose like, you know, <laughs> I play five-a-side soccer with the lads in my estate uh, once a week and I absolutely love it. It's it's totally different than what I'm used to. It's kind of recreational. I, I have no great skill, but I am just have a good game sense and I'll kind of run all day. So it's really good crack. But, you know, I, I've coached men's teams as well. And I suppose you just realize like there are such good women out there as well in different pockets. Um, but they you know, they really lack just kind of sometimes stepping forward for things or believing that they can do an equally good job in whatever space it is, whether it's coaching or admin or governance or whatever. Um, and I suppose like a combination of things for me, um, for a while I was on the board of Hockey Ireland. So, you know, you're, you're at a table in a different context where you start to understand how important it is to have like a, a balanced perspective on things. It's not that women are better at things or men are better at things. It's that actually we need both. We we need both genders standing up and bringing the best themselves to have the best governance, the best coaching, the best learning and development environments or performance or whatever. I've seen it in so many contexts, you know, like even say in the women's hockey team, when there's a good balance in the staff, you're picking up on things that normally would get missed or could get missed um, by either gender, you know, so for for those who started and supported the 20 by 20 they can be so proud of the impact that it's had and i think you can now see more coverage more interest more performance and hopefully over time there will be more females coming into high performance coaching or on boards or you know whatever it is in respect to coaching obviously you also have the the irish management institute you know piece of executive coaching behind you two of us here often ask the question as to you know what's the difference between management and, and leadership and 
you're probably one that has a fair bit of experience across both those spectrums. Where do they, where's the distinguishing element between those two? Gosh, you could probably have a couple of podcasts on this. Um, <laughs> and scones. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think, I suppose may- maybe this is not like a textbook answer or whatever, but for me in leadership, I think that very much for me is around culture and environment and vision and courage to really be brave about what you're trying to do, what you're asking people to do, what you're prepared to do, you know, being clear, holding people accountable, all of those things. I suppose, yeah, sorry, the last thing with leadership is, is ultimately the leader is, is the person who has to absolutely own it and they need to be exemplary and get the right people around them. With management, I suppose it's, management is, is such a huge skill as well. You know, there's so much in terms of managing tasks, managing people, uh, managing energy, like when you're in a group or you're in a workplace or whatever, that it's just being able to cope with a lot, communicate well and keep everything moving as smoothly as you can. Probably identifying then when you can you can add value even beyond that. So I think what connects them both is the relationship that you have with people, with with everyone probably allows you to to either lead or manage or a mix of both you know really well and I'm probably lucky enough to have been in lots of different spaces where you see good examples or bad examples or or characteristics of some that you you know I suppose for me maybe when I'm in the coaching space when I'm the head coach and I'm the leader that you're trying to take those bits and and implement them in a way that hopefully you, you know will make you a, a good leader or um get the best out of people but yeah it's funny i think sometimes it comes down to really really simple stuff like the relationship that you have with people sometimes can be the crux of it all you know definitely and when we're going into these podcasts we do a lot of research on their background and looking we've a full list of things that you've managed to achieve and we're just into the end of january now lots of new year's resolutions would have planned for you after achieving so much over your career, what do you think the one or two habits or the one or two things about your nature existed to make all of this possible? I think probably just, I don't know, it's it's funny. I think the one thing my, my dad will definitely say in the wedding speech about me is just my perseverance. So it's it's not about being brilliant or magic. It's just about being prepared to get up every day and do the gym, do the training just try and be the, the best that you can be every day. So that habit of being able to give my best effort day in and day out and, and not trying to think about the whole big thing, but just the thing that's in front of your face, doing your best with that. And it's probably what I've realized is is that just adds up, you know, day after day after day adds up where you're you're really stretching into your own potential. And hopefully that's something that that everybody can do is maybe when you're setting a new year's resolution or whatever is is not trying to bite it all off in the one go it's about breaking the year down into the months and the months into the weeks and the weeks into the days and just then when you have that plan what is it i need to do for today and trying to be present and give your best to that and trusting that when you put it all together you'll be able to achieve what you want to um that's brilliant i think people are going to need a pencil and a bit of paper for this episode. So many nuggets of wisdom. <laughs> One last question from us, and we ask everybody that comes on the show, is what does high performance mean to you, Lisa? High performance means there's 
there's that idea of getting the the best out of everyone so like even if it's an individual sport or person or whatever there's also like a a support staff or you know let's take the the leader and work or whatever there's or or a space where high performance is expected it's it's never just one person it's also like the supports that you put around it and i think high performance for me is is really exceeding the maximum that you believe is possible when you look at things on paper um so it's kind of about getting the best out of people but when you put that together with everyone around them it's it's also about getting the best out of everyone around you so that when you when that all comes together you get this kind of absolute elevated performance that you you never could have expected so I think when you start off with high performance and maybe I'm a bit of a dreamer but you know on the odd occasion I've seen where where that can work you know but I I really really believe about high performance that it's not just about sport or the the work contract or whatever it is it has to be about people so high performance for me is is people and performance it's the sport and the people and you really will achieve high performance when like let's take it in hockey when you get the tactics right and you get all the hockey bit right the conditioning the everything where high performance is really achieved is when you are getting the maximum from the people in that environment as well because everybody is much more than a hockey player some people are leaders some people are the social ones some people are the ones who are checking in with people behind the scenes somebody might be a physiotherapist in their support staff role but they bring all the banter or they're the organized one who gets everyone together it's it's actually about trying to raise and just pull out everybody's best and and put it together lisa thank you very much for opening up and really sharing your story and and uh and giving us so much across that that 40 minutes we we got so much from it and just wish you the very best with that big event coming up in the next couple of weeks and (laughs) hope it runs smoothly i'm sure it will and I'm sure that that speech will be exactly as you thought and enjoy all that. And uh, it's coming to Kiran soon enough as well. So it's a big Thank year you. for both Thank of you. Um, but yeah, stay, stay well, stay healthy. And again, thanks so much for your time today. We really enjoyed it. Very good, lads. Thanks a million for having me. Thank thanks, you. Lisa. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Sleep, Eat, Perform, Repeat, a story of high performance. This was brought to you by Howora, a whole person wellbeing company founded and run from Dublin, Ireland. Find out more at howoralife.com, spelt H-A-U-O-R-A life.com. Please rate, review and share the podcast. Some people want it to happen. Some wish it would happen. Others make it happen. The GOAT, Michael Jordan.